This is Melissa Milner. Welcome to the Teach Your Eyes podcast. The goal of this weekly podcast is to help you explore your passions and learn from others in education and beyond to better your teaching. The Teacher As will highlight uncommon parallels to teaching, as well as share practical ideas for the classroom. In this episode, I interview my principal, Julia Hendricks. She is a leader in the area of talking to students, parents, and teachers about equity and opening up the dialogue. I felt it was important to start the Teacher As with something that is close to my heart, which is all students feeling that they belong. A sense of belonging comes from having these hard discussions. Also in this interview, Julia talks about starting the year and all the difficulties that go along with that. And we also laugh a little bit. So without further ado, here's my interview with Julia Hendricks. Welcome to the Teacher As Podcast, Julia Hendricks. What do you want the Teacher As Podcast listeners to know about you and your work? Well, I think the most important thing to know about me and my work, but I think also to know about the work of being a principal or a building leader in general, is that you have to really love being in a school building where anything can happen at any time. Um, That what I like, I like a lot of things about this job, but one of the things that I like the most is that no two days are ever the same. Um, And I think it's also important to really enjoy conversations with people, with children and adults, because the work is really about building relationships and knowing people, and you have to be willing to do a lot of listening and talking to make that happen. Sounds exactly like what I see day in and day out from you. (laughs) You're very, you're very true to that whole philosophy. Well, I think it's one of the things that's made the current situation difficult is that the things that that I think are really important about running a school or about working in a school are the things that are missing right now, which is those kinds of like um, daily reinforcement of relationships. Very difficult. So thinking about your work so far as a principal or I don't know whether a math coach whatever, what is your proudest moment in your professional work so far? I don't know if I have one proudest moment in my professional work. I think that the moments with plural moments that I feel the most proud of are the times when I see teachers and children, students, willing to take a risk and not being afraid of what's going to happen if they try something and it doesn't work out. I think so many times, and that's what I really try to instill in people is, you know, I don't want uh, children or adults out there just doing crazy things that don't make any sense, but I want people to be willing to take thoughtful risk and maybe not know exactly what's going to happen when you try this, but you still are willing to try it. And I feel like so much good thinking and good ideas don't get turned into reality because people are afraid of what if it doesn't work. And um, so I think I'm very proud of the moments when I see the people around me 
when I realize that people really understand that about me, that I'm not going to get angry or mad if you try something in a thoughtful way that turns out not to work. I'm going to get more upset if people aren't willing to try things. I don't know if that's clear, but those yeah. that's, I think, what makes me proudest when I feel like, okay, people feel safe enough in this environment, they are really willing to take risk. Yes, that's very That's powerful. when I feel like I know <laughs> I've done my job. Well, I think you foster that in your staff because you're constantly taking risks, calculated, well-thought-out, researched risks. Yeah, and we see that and it empowers us. So, amen. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So, talking about risks, what structures need to be changed in education to allow for equity? Well, that's a really interesting question because, you know, as you know, our school is uh, very much a predominantly white school in terms of both the staff and the students. But that doesn't mean that we cannot and should not be addressing issues of equity, not just because we have we do have students and some staff who are not from um, the majority culture or white culture, but also because it's better for all of us if we have equity. But there's always the question of how do you do that in a predominantly or majority white environment? And actually, one thing I've been, one of the structures that really needs to change that I was actually talking in a meeting about today is hiring and how we hire for diversity. And um, just in the past few months, I've been thinking about what are the questions we should be asking applicants? What are the things that should be in our job descriptions that put equity and anti-bias thinking to the front of our hires? And I was, I've been in a couple of meetings with the director of human resources where we're and some other uh, colleagues where we're beginning to think about what needs to change about our hiring practices so that we have a more diverse pool of educators in our district. And so that's one structure I've been thinking a lot about lately. Another structure, and actually this um, has, one of the positive things about this shutdown for me is that I've become much more facile using technology. And I realized that, you know, a lot of our committees at Birch Meadow, especially like community committees, we end up having people who are very constrained by being able to be in the building at certain times for meetings. And we're now going to take a lot of those meetings and make them virtual. And as a result of that, we now have a METCO parent who's going to be on our school site council next year because we're going to do the meetings virtually. And I think about that as such a, it seems like such a small structure, but it's not one that ever occurred to me that by doing that, we could increase the diversity of representation on school committees. So I think when you say what structures need to be changed in education to allow for equity, I'm beginning to think all of them, right? <laughs> which is a little overwhelming. I mean, yeah. even in our most recent hire for class classroom teacher, one of the questions we asked was, if money was not an object, describe your ideal classroom library. And when we asked the question, one of the things that we were expecting to hear from a candidate we would hire is a discussion about creating a classroom library that has diverse representations both in fictional characters and in nonfiction books. And so it was like a very 
kind of simple question, but our lens about the response to that question, it was very specific about one of the things we wanted, you know, somebody who came in and talked only about the books that they read as a child um, and only wanted to recreate that kind of library was not what we wanted to hear. I feel like all our structures need to change. And I know one of the things I'm looking at this summer is looking at the new social studies framework. And I'm going to try to find some resources for discussing the history of people of color and underrepresented populations for every grade level that align with the new frameworks. And I've been talking to the humanities um, coordinator about this. So honestly, I'm big, the more where I do this work, the more I come to the conclusion that we need to change everything, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting when you mention the social studies. I, you know, I, I've been reading Stamped from the beginning. Oh, and, and it's on my I, list. It's absolutely unbelievable. And it's like we never learned any of this in school. Yep. And then I look at the social studies math frameworks and you know, they really tried to start to incorporate these things, but I'm looking at and saying, this is not enough. This is not right. <laughs> where it needs to be. So it, that's that risk taking where, you know, if it tells me I should teach about, you know, the impact of explorers, I'm going to go further than what it says right here because right. they're missing a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But I know you're working on like a project or something with literature, like diverse books. We applied, the school council, site council and I applied for, we did not get a grant to do equity book bags for Birchman School. So I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. Okay. I do have a class that I have developed with two, a workshop I've developed with two other educators who I have a um, group with around using children's books as a way to study primarily United States history, even though we do have some uh, Canadian history thrown in there as well, and using books about different historical events that and I call is called the history you were not taught and then recreating a US history timeline from the information you get from these books so that we can kind of overlay this whole history of African Americans, of Mexican Americans, of indigenous peoples, of um, Japanese Americans, overlay it over the kind of more traditional timeline that we were taught in school. Right. You did that at our staff I've done that in a staff meeting and I was going to be doing it at a conference that got shut down this spring. Um, But that is something that I am working on. And I think really the other thing I'm working on, and this is more, and this is, um, it's a challenge, even though it's a really good challenge, is really getting community conversations about race going and not only in the staff, but also in the family community. So I've, um, I've developed my zoom skills so I could, can do this. So we had a meeting in June and the questions that the, really the focus of the meeting in June was why is it so hard to talk about race? And I'm taking the responses that people gave after that meeting to set a topic or a conversational theme for a July 16th meeting, which once again, people can come to, and it's going to be focused conversations, and it's not designed to teach 
anybody anything new, but more to promote a productive conversation about our own attitudes about race and our own experiences with race and our own feelings about them so that our whole community can begin to come become comfortable with these conversations and begin thinking about these things. Um, amazing. You're, as I said, you're, you know, basically a revolutionary, but... <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you. I think it's I think it's hard. You know, it was interesting. Um, one of the comments that kind of made me laugh is one of when I I had the survey at the end of the the June community conversation, and one of it was you got to get more men to come to these, <laughs> which I thought was very funny. But that is um, funny. Yeah, awesome. The next question you sort of already answered, but I want to make sure there's nothing else. What are you zooming in on right now in your work? Zooming in. The thing that I'm zooming in on that gives me um, satisfaction and a feeling that I'm doing something that really matters is the work around equity and anti-bias. And that's tremendously, and I've talked a lot about that, and that is um, kind of overwhelming and um, inspiring work at the same time. Uh, I'm also zooming in on, you know, at this exact moment in my work, how are we going to start the school year? <laughs> yeah, um, that, that little chestnut. And, <laughs> you know, that's kind of an adventure. We have the additional issue of we're going to be three classrooms short at the beginning of the school year because of a delayed delivery of modulars. So I'm trying right now just to figure out the logistics of who's going to be being educated in which learning space. The work around equity and anti-bias, and frankly, I feel like I've always, I've always said, and I say this to students constantly, you know, my first job as a principal is to make Burge Meadows School a school that is safe for people, safe for their bodies and safe for their feelings. And what I am realizing is safe with their feelings really encompasses all of this anti-bias work that has not been, that is a huge part of the safety for all the children, not just for children of color, um, but for all the children. And so that's what I feel like is the really important thing I'm doing right now. Yes. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get to one of my favorite questions? Um, no, I think, I think we're in, I think we're good. <laughs> this, is, this, this was amazing. Um, so what is your favorite movie and why? Well, I love this question. And I have to say, if you had asked me this six months ago, I would have said my favorite movie is all about Eve. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> I just love that movie. I think it is so incredibly well-written and so clever and just so fascinating. And the idea that I, I think it might've been Marilyn Monroe's very first movie um, when she's the starlet at the dinner at the party. But I just love that movie. However, lately, and I think this speaks to probably our current situation I am finding myself more and more in love with What's Up, Doc. Um, 
Do you know what's up, Doc? Of course. <laughs> I just, you know, I watched it again recently, and I am now visiting my family in South Carolina. And I was thinking about telling my mother we need to watch What's Up, Doc together. I'm beginning to think. <laughs> it used to be I watched All About Eve every few months, but I think I might be watching What's Up, Doc because my son watched it with me one time, and he said the thing about this movie it has every device from every comedy movie ever. And you think it's going to be too much, but it's really not. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's great. I would, I would, I say, I'd say that that might be getting ready to elbow all about Eve out of my first place. Um, my first place slot for movies. (laughs) Fascinating. I I asked this question because it really tells a lot about a person, what their favorite movie is. So that is really interesting. <laughs> well, what is your favorite movie and why? My favorite movie, and I'm going to share it in my very first episode, but I can share it with you now. And it's not for reasons that people usually think. My favorite movie is Jaws. Oh. And it's really and because... actually, it's actually about people who are very different and in the beginning, very antagonistic towards each other, have to come together to solve a problem. and. Mm-hmm. Since I was a little kid, I love that about that movie. Once they're on that boat, huh. once he says that famous line, it turns into a lesson on working together. Wow. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm feeling that my reasons for my favorite movies are so much less thoughtful than your reason for yours. <laughs> well, I already wrote a blog about it, a post about it. Like, I, you know, because I'm like, why is this my favorite movie? It's just about some silly shark. Okay. I watched it when I was very young and I was impressionable. And, and then I'm like, no, it's once we're on that boat with those three men and they're showing each other their scars and they're like, wait, we have something in common. And very well written, very oh. underrated for that. <laughs> well, maybe I have to rewatch it with that lens. Julia, thank you so much for taking your time out during your summer, even though you work all summer long, to be on the Teacher As podcast. Well, you are very welcome. Thank you so much for giving me the chance to talk with you. If you enjoyed this episode and have not done so already, please hit the subscribe button for the Teacher As podcast so you can get future episodes. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. My contact information for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram are also on this site. I am sending a special thanks to Linda and Lester Fleischman, my mom and dad, for being so supportive. They are the voices you hear in the Zooming In soundbite. And my dad composed and performed the background music you are listening to right now. My intro music was Upbeat Party by Scott Holmes. So what are you Zooming in on? I would love to hear from you. My hope is that we all share what we are doing in the classroom in order to teach, remind, affirm, and inspire each other. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.